Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, welcome back, everybody, as we get started here on a Tuesday afternoon. Hope all of you had a great Christmas holiday, and we'll have an even better New Year. As you can hear, uh, I'm a little raspy today. I always like it when my voice gets a little raspy. Means that I've either been doing a lot of yelling or maybe in this case, uh, you know, for a while I thought I was going to be under the weather. I really did. But took a, took some zinc, got a little extra sleep, and I'm feeling fine. I'm just, uh, you know, a little, little deeper today than normal, Adrian. But um, again, that's, that's the effects of a, a holiday weekend. That's what it can do to you. Yeah, I totally understand that, Steve. It's one of those deals where, uh, hey, it's okay. You sound fine. You're a little hoarse, but we're ready to go. We got a two-hour-and-a-half edition of Sports Talk today, fresh off a real busy weekend. I think I'm footballed out, man. <laughs> we, we were watching so much football this weekend. Saturday, uh, Sunday, I even snuck in a little bit of that Patriots-Broncos game Sunday evening, uh, and then yesterday's game. I feel like I'm football, a little footballed out, but it's uh, ahead of a bowl week here. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl comes up Friday, so we got a, a busy week ahead of us. Yeah. And uh, men's basketball squeezed into all of it as well. You had a chance to attend uh, Notre Dame practice today. How was that? It was excellent. I, I got a chance to attend both. Notre Dame practice, Oregon State practice today. Um, it was just great to get into all the bowl festivities. I know there are a lot of guys who are opting out, guys who hit the portal, guys who are preparing for the NFL. Uh, most notably, it's the two quarterbacks on both sides, DJ Uya Ungalule for Oregon State and then Sam Hartman uh, for Notre Dame. Both guys will be out of this mix, but that makes it exciting. It kind of levels the playing field on both ends because we don't know what to expect on both sides sides uh they're both they both have nfl prospects which is pretty cool in itself and i, I think both teams really want to win I, that's a, one of the big takeaways i found from today the players legitimately want to come here to el paso they want to have success in practices and they want to win they want to have success on friday i agree with that by the way tough question here but i know you can answer this for me of the two teams you saw today at practice which of the two resembles more of a full team? Like, in other oh. words, who do you think will have the, the, when they show up on the field, the group that at least, minus the quarterbacks, look more like the players that helped get them there? Yeah, that's a great question because I was expecting neither today going into practices. But when I stepped on uh, to both practice fields, I realized, man, both these teams still have some really good talent. And I was talking to uh, beat reporters, uh, sports information directors on both sides and just kind of understand uh, understanding a little bit more about both these teams. And the interesting thing we heard from the Notre Dame side of things is there are guys who like really want to play, like young guys who think like their next year, their 2024 starts now, like yeah. starts today, which I like that mentality a lot. If you think about players who are like fringe um, starters or like guys who haven't really come onto the scene yet, this is their ultimate opportunity to show what they can really do. And we can honestly assume that under the direction of Marcus Freeman, this Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame team will be successful next year for sure, knowing that they've 
they've had talent year in, year out. They're getting Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback, next year as well. So that team in particular, it's going to be really fun to see some of their young talent shine. They've got a young running back uh, in Prince, who I really like today. He got to speak to the media, and I think he could do some really nice things. But on the Oregon State side of things, they've got some guys who really want to step up too, both seniors and then underclassmen, who the seniors, it's their last rodeo. It's their last time out with this team, and they want to go out on top. And then for the young guys, they want to prove something, whether they stick around with the new coaching staff at Oregon State or they hit uh, they hit the portal and go elsewhere. Oh, I agree. There's so many good storylines. By the way, uh, one of the players you interviewed today was uh, Howard Cross the third. You know, his dad was a great tight end for the Giants. In fact, won multiple Super Bowls. He's currently the Giants radio analyst. Do we know if Howard Cross Jr., will be in town to watch his son play Friday morning. Okay, so I heard about this. The, he was the uh, the son of Howard Cross Jr. Uh, after the fact that we interviewed. So we don't know this yet. But I'll, I'll uh, work to ask their sports information group uh, to see if, uh, if he's indeed coming. Or, you know, just to ask some of the beat reporters who know this program pretty well to see if they know if he's coming or not. Yeah, that's a big deal. Howard Cross is a, is a great analyst. He was a really, really good football player back in the '80s with the Giants. I mean, that's back in the days when, you know, they were they were winning uh, Super Bowls and playing, uh, you know, for for um, big roles. Now it's funny because he was kind of he came along right after Mark Bavaro. Mark Bavaro was the Giants' star tight end. They called him Rambo because he looked like Stallone. And he won in 86. They beat the Bills. But then Howard Cross was a rookie um, in 89 from Alabama. And he had a nice 13-year career in the NFL and then has been a Giant broadcaster uh, since 07. So, you know, he won one Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25. But I'd be very interested to see if if Howard Cross will be in town to uh, – to watch his son play. You know, an interesting storyline about Howard Cross III against, uh, I guess what we're talking about here, Howard Cross Jr.'s son, he's going to be sticking around for his graduate year next season. There was a lot of speculation. Would he hit the portal for an expanded role elsewhere? Would he end up uh, trying to go pro, maybe not necessarily the NFL, but play XFL, find a different route to the pros and just kind of go that route? Or would he stick around at Notre Dame for another season? That's what he's doing, Steve. He's going to stick around another year. It's going to be his graduate year he talked about the importance that he has or in his mind of uh, getting a graduate degree today to the media members and he's going to be kind of a senior leader next year he's talked about being the guy and talking about it with his dad uh, over the process of his decision to come back with Notre Dame and he thinks that the first step of being that guy is to show out this Friday against Oregon State awesome awesome so anyway, we'll keep an eye on the uh, on, on all the storylines from the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The clearly the biggest story today is Lou James passing away. That is a a giant in the local sports world, eighty one years of age, and somebody who was a a standout at uh, Bel Air uh, did everything: football, basketball, track. Went to UTEP, Texas Western. Played defensive back for the minors under Ben Collins, Bum Phillips, Warren Harper. We're talking about an All-American in 64. Played in the Blue-Gray game. Drafted by the Eagles. uh, Actually earned a roster spot in 65. But only could play two years in the NFL because of of a knee injury. However, somebody who was a legendary coach. Legendary uh, during his time at Bel Air. When they won eight straight district titles with uh, you know Bob Savage and company, and then uh, went to Riverside, 
and was terrific over there. Went to Parkland. He had a good record in Parkland. And then just became a school administrator. And truly, uh, somebody who was in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame in 2000 uh, was a big, big part of the uh, Greater El Paso Football Showcase for many years, coaching in that game, and one of the uh, one of the local legends, you could say. So we really did lose one of the greats today in Lou James. Yeah, and you think about what he did as a head coach. Like the the time that he spent with Bel Air was so important because it was for such successful teams. Then he goes over and coaches Riverside, and he has a thirty seven twenty one and one mark. And he actually had a second place finish nineteen eighty five. But he had some tough. I mean, to win over in Riverside is one thing. So it's a challenge in itself. When he had success at Parkland, it showed. That he didn't, it wasn't just a one off. It wasn't just a Bel Air, like Riverside thing. He could coach at other places yep. and have success. So the fact that he had success with the Highlanders, with the Rangers, with the Matadors, he was just one of the all time greats and uh, an El Paso Athletic Hall of Famer as well. So, yes, I, I'm, we were really sad to hear about the news today, but somebody who left such a great legacy in uh, local high school football for sure. And there's a bunch of them that have. I mean, you look at the list. It is, uh, it, it's really been a a terrific number of individuals that have been able to uh, go from playing ball to coaching here and really uh, making a mark for themselves. And you know, Lou James is is no exception. And yeah, hearing that uh, you know someone who was 81. Um, and, and gave so much to El Paso. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of tributes. Uh, and, you know, the nice thing is also this. I, I talked to uh, Chris Hanna earlier, who had the Bleeding Red uh, documentary that they were uh, working on all season this year with Bel Air High School. They did a lot of filming with Lou James during this documentary and captured him. Uh, probably the most extensive profile uh, before he passed away. So uh, that will be coming out during the series, and it's nice to know that uh, you know they were able to get and capture Lou uh, during the final season uh, of high school football that he was around uh, here in El Paso. Yeah, I also think, I mean, for somebody who 11 years was a head coach, 17 years was an assistant, he had touched so many, uh, no, so many people's lives here across uh, El Paso. And somebody who, uh, you know, you saw on social media today, coaches crediting him for getting them started in the business, coaches crediting him for everything they've done, uh, that he's done for them in their career. So just a lot of love that he's received. Coach James, you know, uh, definitely left a great legacy. Man, you're right. All right, um, we'll talk about that if you've got questions or if you want to call in and, and talk about Lou today and, and, and bring up Coach James and his contributions, we'd love to hear from you on the show. Ivan Melendez is scheduled to drop by. The 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Excited about having the Hispanic Titanic with us back in studio to catch up and talk a little baseball with Ivan. Um, amazing that his parent team was in the World Series this past season. This is wild, isn't it? Right, yes. And there was a point where I think a lot of people were thinking, oh man, is he? does he have a chance to get up yep. to the Diamondbacks? And it wasn't an indication of anything he did wrong. It was just actually a reflection of how well the Diamondbacks played down the stretch. They didn't need to promote Ivan Melendez more than uh, they did through their farm system. And he no. already ascended through their uh, farm system. So it's going to be great to catch up with him. Somebody who has already had success at the AA level. And you know what? I'm ca- I can't wait to see what he does in AAA and in the majors here in the future. You're right. And I can't wait for uh, you know another season of baseball under Ivan, Ivan Melendez. It's going to be fun. So he'll talk to us at 5 o'clock. We're with you till 6.30. At 6.30, we've got the guaranteed rate bowl tonight. 
between UNLV and Kansas. So that's going to be coming up. Guaranteed rate bowl, 630 here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Tomorrow, we're with you till 6. Then we have UTEP basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding uh, coming up tomorrow uh, from 6 to 7. And then no sports talk Thursday, no sports talk Friday, no sports talk next Monday. So we'll have three days off because of either New Year's Day or, in the case of Thursday and Friday, bowl games. We've got a bowl triple header coming up um, beginning at, what time do we have? i got, I got to double check and see what time the bowl triple header is going to be on, uh, on Thursday. But we got a lot of games, Adrian, a lot of games uh, coming up this Thursday. So uh, that's where it starts for us. In fact, I believe, okay, I think I have this right now. I believe we've got the Wasabi Fenway Bowl starting at 9 a.m. with SMU and Boston College. And then we also have... Actually, I'm, I'm, am I wrong on that? Pinstripe that, that might be right. So it might no. be the Fenway Bowl, no, Pinstripe Bowl, we don't. Pop-Tart. We've got, we've got Pinstripe, Pop-Tarts, and Alamo. Not okay. the Fenway Bowl. I thought we had the Fenway Bowl. We don't. We've got the, the, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Rutgers in Miami. That starts at 12.15. Then we've got the Pop-Tarts Bowl, North Carolina State, Kansas State, 345. And then the Valero Alamo Bowl, Arizona and Oklahoma at 715. So those are the triple header of games on Thursday. By the way, have you seen the Pop-Tarts trophy? Yes, I did. I got sent this this morning. I'm sorry, it took me a second to react because I was thinking, wait a second, how could there be a trophy with Pop-Tarts? But then it hit me. I got I got sent this this morning. Yeah. I love it. My uncle actually sent this to me today. Uh, Steve, I love the trophy. I thought it'd be hard to beat uh, Frosted Flakes, but man, the Pop-Tarts are pretty awesome. So for those of you that don't know, the trophy looks a lot like the Sun Bowl trophy. It really yeah. does, except there's two slots in the football, and there are four Pop-Tarts. So there are actual real Pop-Tarts inside the trophy. So um, it's i never seen anything like it before, but I guess you can eat the trophy after the game because you can actually eat a real Pop-Tart right out of the trophy once the game's over. Well, the thing that stuck out to me on it was the fact that there's actually like a metal version of a Pop-Tart on the actual trophy. So you're right. It does look like the Sun Bowl trophy and everything. But not only are there the spots for the Pop-Tart, but actually on the side of the trophy itself, there's actually like a, a metal Pop-Tart. So that looks okay. pretty crazy in itself. The hard part would be, now this is possible though, do you think it would be cool if on the Sun Bowl trophy – because the football is inside the Sun Bowl, should they fill the Sun Bowl up with Frosted Flakes? Ooh, because they could do yes, that. Yes, yeah, they could do milk that. On, milk inside too, and then a, a big spoon or something like that. Do you realize we need to make this happen? That trophy is thousands of dollars. Do you realize <laughs> if you if you if you poured milk in it, maybe they should just have the Frosted Flakes dry, and that way they could just eat the flakes yeah. out of the out of the actual piece of metal, and they don't have to try and figure out with milk in there if it's going to stain. Yeah, or or uh, maybe they can go to like Whole Foods or like Sprouts or something. Find find some of that like hippie type of milk that's alternative basically like, milk. yeah like basically water yeah fake milk yeah like oat milk or yeah, something yeah there like you that. go fake milk that's right that's right i like that too that's good 
<laughs> That's funny. 17 past. Good start to the show. Alberto's here with us as well as we get going. Let's go to Charlie One and get our first traffic update of the show. Really making a name for himself. They are scoring like crazy already, Steve. Uh, they're running they all over the field. I like Finley at the quarterback spot. He's not even their number one guy. They're having success. Uh, when teams have success in the bowl game, that tells me things are going okay within their culture and their program because in today's college football world, we saw it today here at the Tony the Tiger Sumball practices, it's hard to find meaning for these games. Unfortunately, Steve, for some of these schools, I hate how that is for today's college football. It just is what it is, but it tells it says a lot about a program and a coach when they have their things together uh, for bowl games like this. Oh, you're right. And again, uh, no show Thursday. we got a triple header of games, and then no show Friday. We've, we're going to be airing the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl at noon, and then uh, we will have the Cotton Bowl later on on Friday at 530 and uh, no show next Monday because it's New Year's Day. So I will be back next week um, with Alberto all week. Actually, Adrian, are you back Friday or are no, you uh, gone I, the whole week? I'm gone the whole week. That's correct. All right. Very nice. Yes. Good to see that you're starting off 2024 on vacation. I like that. Exactly. Me too. It's the way it should be, right? Yeah. I was waiting for uh, to take a week off all year, and this is the time. Yeah, it is. It is. It's good. It's the way it should be. So I'm happy for you, man. Enjoy your vacay. Enjoy it. I will. I appreciate it. All right. 23 past the hour. 505-6009. So let's talk about the other big stories. Uh, First off, while we were gone, we found out that Jerry Kill uh, was, in fact, going to be leaving New Mexico State. Now, I can't really say that that's a huge surprise. The bigger surprise to me is that Mario Mocha raised $1.1 million per year for the lifetime of his contract, which I believe expired through either 26 or 27, offered it to Jerry, and he said no. And in his statement said he's done being a head coach in college football, or in football for that matter. I think that uh, for the most part, uh, Jerry Kill has realized that it's just too demanding, Remember, they played a 15-game schedule. That is not easy. Not easy for anybody, especially for, um, you know, the situation uh, involving New Mexico State and, uh, and, and the Aggies. So when Jerry Kill stepped down and we realized it wasn't a money issue, it was just a burnout issue, a time issue, and uh, Jerry Kill realized that, you know, the job involves so much that he just can't give it right now. Maybe he wants to stay involved as an analyst or something like that, just not as a head coach. Um, you understand. And the Aggies were so quick to replace him with uh, Tony Sanchez, the wide receivers coach and former UNLV head coach and former Aggie. And, you know, without even thinking about it, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I wonder if Tony Sanchez will keep guys from going in the portal. The answer is nope, that didn't happen. Diego Pavia, one of the big names to go into the portal. Gavin Frakes went into the portal. Um, they lost about, I think, about 10 of them yesterday, or, or like within hours after the announcement that uh, Jerry Kill was leaving the program. And now you wonder, Adrian, the Aggies had two great years, okay? Jerry Kill did more in two years than anybody's done since the late 60s. And it's not even a question. I mean, he was terrific for the Aggies. And you wonder, Tony Sanchez, anybody else, will they be able to, 
I forget come close to what Jerry Kill's done. They won't, okay? Jerry Kill, as I said it earlier, is a one in a million type head coach. He is. One in a million. Aggies won the lottery with him. And you enjoy the ride for as long as it lasts. And then when it's over, you hope that you can bring somebody in from the staff to keep it going. We will see if Tony Sanchez can do just that. This reminds me of Mike Price within the first two years at UTEP. He was a finalist for the Arizona State job, which ultimately went to Dennis Erickson. But I always wondered, what would have happened if Mike Price was hired away by Arizona State? That's the what-if game. One of these days, we've got to ask Bob Stoll if he ever had a successor in mind from that staff or elsewhere, had they lost Mike Price to Arizona State after that second season when they went uh, eight and eight and four that second year? I think it was eight and five with the bowl loss, but I mean, two eight win seasons in a row, two straight bowl games. Mike Price, a finalist for the Arizona State job, it would have made so much sense, Adrian. And I wonder what Bob Stoll's uh, replacement strategy would have been at that point. Yeah, and it's interesting because at that time, I mean, the brand was uh, really hot at that time. They had, uh, you know, finished an AP top twenty-five or started the season, the two thousand five season. Uh, AP top 25, yep. which was amazing. Yep. They, they hit uh, top 25 points in both seasons. And, of course, they went to bowl games in both those years, which were winning seasons. So those are uh, that's a, a great what if. Uh, to the NMSU story, right, This is there's no way to put it other than this is an absolute gut punch because for this to come timing-wise after early signing day, after the bowl game, after the transfer portal is what it is, where it's pretty much people already have their landing spots. It's not like uh, Tony Sanchez can come in and see a great pool of players in the transfer portal. The good guys are already landed somewhere. And the other guys, they're still trying to find a home, but maybe those are the tier two or the the B and C list guys who are in the portal right now at this point. My point is, for all of this, he's losing players left and right, including Diego Pavia. I think it's going to be kind of a reset for New Mexico State, no matter how you look at it. They lost their coordinators as soon as that uh, whistle ended for the bowl game, it felt like. And and it seems like the writing, now that you look back on it, the writing was kind of on the wall, right? There were points in the seasons where he dealt with health issues that, you know, I think it says a lot about Jerry Kill for having success uh, for consecutive seasons. And I felt like he pretty much threw the kitchen sink these two years for this Aggies program, had so much success. And I don't want to say the fans took him for granted but maybe so I mean you can't take winning seasons in this area for granted when you're talking about football between New Mexico State UTEP you can even throw New Mexico in that mix it's hard to win in this area and Jerry Kill did it in two seasons so uh, bravo to him and he just rode out he's probably in Mexico drinking margaritas right now right probably is probably is I just wonder okay let's just say Tim Beck hadn't left yet and when Jerry Kill steps down because you, know, you got to figure, this is the interesting thing. Jerry, you know Jerry Kill was thinking about this sooner than Sunday. I you agree. Know. I agree. So I wonder, like, you know, there could, they could have worked out a, a plan for him to step down after the season and then either, uh, you know, Tim Beck or uh, Nate Dryling, um, you know, one of the two coordinators to take over the program. So I found it fascinating 
that by the time he announced it, both coordinators were already gone, and then they went with uh, Tony as the head uh, replacement head coach. Would they have still gone Tony if the coordinators were there, or would perhaps Tim Beck or uh, Nate Dryling or somebody else be the uh, the new head coach? Yeah, I, I really like Dryling a lot. I mean, I know that he left, uh, or is, he is reportedly leaving for a coaching position at Vanderbilt as well. He would have been my guy for this one. I thought he was fantastic. I, I thought that, I mean, I don't know, Steve. I guess there's more to this story behind the scenes than we know. But I would have liked to see maybe just a, a two-week-long coaching search, yep. right? Yep. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I talked to Mario Mocha. He tells us why he needed to promote from within. It was maybe too late in the process. Everybody kind of already inked their contracts going into next year. Sure, I could have been convinced in all that. I just would have liked to see who would have been up for this job, right? I think it's a desirable position right here. and you And you take advantage of your brand being hot, like the like it is for New Mexico State right now. Man, thirty one past the hour. We'll get to Cruz and Orley coming up in a moment. Oh, I know what Orley's going to want to talk about. I sure do. We'll do that right after Adrian, who has this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Let's go to the phones. I've got one line available. One line available. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Again, if you're just joining us. Um, former uh, Coronado and uh, current uh, Arizona Diamondback uh, prospect uh, Ivan Melendez scheduled to join us here in studio at 5 o'clock this evening. But first, let's go to Cruz. He wants to uh, lead us off, and I know Cruz has some thoughts on uh, the great Lou James. Hey, Cruz, how are you? I'm doing okay, bud. Hey, I I played for Coach Lou James at Baylor High School back in 1973, and he's a very good coach. He's very well known throughout the Midland, Odessa. I've spoken to people there, Midland, Odessa, Andrews, uh, Abilene, Big Spring. He's known all over the place, Hobbs, Carlsbad. Um, he, he was known because he's a very good coach. Uh, just go ask those people from around Andrews, and then we, we had some wars with him. I believe it. But uh, he, uh, I said, well, we had a problem on the team. <laughs> I was part of the problem with some other guys on defense, and, uh, we would have a pot, five bucks. Everybody toss in five bucks, and that th- that had been going on before I got there. And when Coach James got a window, that he put a stop to it before the first game. <laughs> uh, but he, we all respected him and we obeyed him because, uh, well, he had our respect. He, he played professionally. He played college, and uh, he had answers for you know the, whatever you went up to him. And and he was a very good coach with real good uh, football players. Robert Elliott, Leon Moore, Kelvin um, Beasley, you know, among others. And uh, everybody respected him because uh, of his knowledge. And uh, he he was strict, and he was uh, the same way with everybody. You know? he, he respected us, too, you know. So uh, I, I'm, really, I, I'm really sad to hear. Uh, I used to go and buy uh, burritos from him. He had a place right there in Hacienda. And uh, I used to go buy burritos when I came back from Amarillo and I moved down here. Yeah, they know him in Amarillo and Plainview and all that area, too. Now, there's people that moved from El Paso from this area into all those areas, and we would talk about him out there. I met his brother, Jesse James, in Amarillo. We became best friends out there at Thompson Park is where we met. Uh, and he used to work at a, a coach. Uh, Lou James' brother worked at Levi Strauss there in Amarillo, but... Uh, 
he he was surprised and and he said that I'm not the only one that that's uh, that he has met that knew his brother, and you know uh, I, I'm really sad to hear that he's gone, but uh, well it's a process we all gotta we all gotta go through you know and and he, he's a friend, he's not just a coach but a friend, and anytime he, you'd go up to him and and talk to him, he had time to talk with you. Hey, uh, well what year were you there? And uh, sometimes he could remember your name and. And when you go, and if you didn't, if you gave him your name, hey, weren't you one of these guys? Yes, sir, that was one of me. That's awesome. Cruz, I appreciate you sharing. Thanks for the call. Thanks for reflecting on the great Lou James. Let's go next to Orly. He joins us, and they know exactly what he wants to talk about. Orly, what's happening? What do I want to talk about? The 49ers laying a giant egg at home yesterday against Baltimore and showing yeah. us all that right now the NFC is as wide open heading into the postseason as it's ever been? I still think they'll be the team to beat. Uh, it was a tough, tough loss yesterday. Purdy had a rough game, to say the least. Yes, he did. I felt his first interception was actually his fault. No doubt about it. I thought the other three were tips. That can happen to anybody. Great defensive play by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I would love to see a rematch. But I have told people, this guy, Jackson, is 19-1 and against NFC teams. That's unbelievable. He's now 20-1. and Yep. But, yeah, give the, uh, the credit where it's due. The 49ers came out. Surprisingly, they were still in the ball game at halftime with three, four turnovers. Think Me about too. That. Yeah, Me that, too. that tells something about their defense. So I'm not worried. Like I said, when they went on the three-game losing streak, Relax. They've got the uh, Washington Commanders this week. Then they've got the Rams. And we all know how they can control the Rams. So let's see what happens. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, I was all, I mean, I was going to bring up a thing for the Cowboys, you know, from Willie Nelson to get royalties. We're on the road again. But I can't, I can't do that now. Uh, but it, it was, and as far as Lou James, yeah, he was a he was an icon, a very nice man. I remember the the matchups with him and Coronado in the day. Um, once again, people don't realize back then a lot of this listeners now. There was only two teams that went out of El Paso. You played each other in the Sun Bowl, and then you went on to the regionals. But now you got everybody going. It's like a participation trophy. Everybody gets oh, yeah. involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not the same anymore. But anyway, uh, he's going to be missed. Uh, I'm glad everybody, everybody had a good Christmas. Um, spend with your families and enjoy your families when you can. Because you never know what could happen the next day. Great way to look like at you it. You and I had discussed over the weekend. Steve. Yep, no doubt. No doubt about it. I appreciate the phone call, and thanks for getting Take in care. today. We'll talk Bye-bye. to you early. All right. Let me, uh, let me say this about the NFC right now, okay? I mean, the 49ers could still be the best team in the NFC, all right? They have the same record as the Eagles, who just barely squeaked by the Giants at home. At home. The Cowboys have showed us that they are not a good road team against good teams. And by the way, they will have to play on the road during this postseason. It's not going to be a, a, a you know games in Dallas. They're they will have to go on the road. Um, based on what I've seen, with two weeks left in the season, 
when it comes to the NFC, it's anybody's race right now. There are no locks. There are no guarantees. Is San Francisco and Philadelphia the best teams record-wise? Yes, they are. Do I feel good about either of them going to the Super Bowl? I don't. I absolutely do not. They all have weaknesses. They've all been exposed. Brock Purdy can have a bad game just like Dak Prescott and just like Jalen Hurts. They can all have bad games. Don't snooze on the Lions. I know it sounds ridiculous, but Detroit's different because they haven't been there before. They they play with a little bit of a different kind of edge, and I love their head coach. I, I just... I like this team. I do. And, you know, they're in the picture. I mean, Adrian, everybody's in the picture going into this postseason. Yeah, and talking about the picture, the the clearest picture right now is with the Ravens, who beat the 49ers yes. yesterday. So yes. I, I wanted to take it that direction because I I, pre, I kind of set the foundation last week, and I talked about this. It was all Purdy that last week. The week before was Dak for MVP, and now it's all about Lamar Jackson, where, where I think it actually should settle at. Because if you look at the Ravens, you look at their schedule, and you look at their losses, it's all fluke losses. It's it, None of them were because, oh, you know, Lamar had a terrible game, or they got blown out or something like that it was like they had mishaps in the second half terrible game management and uh losing these early season games but I I just want to reflect back to the summer Steve Lamar Jackson was available to a lot of people and a lot of teams if you wanted to trade for him Carolina instead of going out and getting Bryce Young they could have shopped that first overall pick and traded for Lamar Jackson he was available no one wanted to sign him no one wanted to give him this extension uh that bull the he he basically bullies the Ravens to giving him that extension and look, he cashes out, and they cash out in a big way. They've had such a successful year. He's going up against Fred Warner, best linebacker in football yesterday, yep. and makes a miss early in that game. And I thought, man, this is this is the Lamar MVP come out party. This is the time where we get to see them as the clear favorites out of the AFC, knowing how bad the Chiefs have been playing lately, knowing how the Dolphins have some inconsistencies. I feel better about the Ravens in the AFC, and you're right, the NFC, it's all up for grabs. Week 4-5, I was talking about the Rams. Riding them off, tanking uh, for the season. It looks like uh, Lions Rams week one of the divisional playoff round could be like uh, a, a great game out of the NFC. One of those teams could end up winning the NFC if it, when it's all said and done. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. I know it. Forty-two past the hour. Hey, you want to talk some uh, football? We can do that with you on the show. Cowboys fans, are you done? Do you feel after this loss to Miami that any dream? of going to Vegas, is gone. Just gone. Because you realize that in the postseason, when you have to play a big road game, this team just does not win big road games. It's as simple as that. We could talk about that with you as well. Stay with us. 43 past as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. As we continue... Ivan Melendez will be joining us in our 5 o'clock hour. Excited about having Ivan back, back in town, back on the show. That's going to be a lot of fun. Have him come by. We've seen Ivan a few times over the years, and 
We have a lot. Adrian, we have a lot to catch up with Ivan on, don't we? A lot. We have so much. I mean, it, I just want to know so much about the transition between Hillsboro and Amarillo. I mean, it feels like uh, his the Hillsboro hops could have built a statue for Ivan Melendez from the uh, run that he had with them and then just transitioning it over to Amarillo. Didn't really feel like he missed a beat. Like, he, he was killing yeah. it on both levels. And that streak that he went on this year, just what he did uh, throughout the season was just so remarkable at such a young age into the system. He was like the human home run. Every time he went up, balls were leaving the yard. Yeah, I was, was actually, crazy. I was looking at it. Um, he had multiple four RBI performances. He also also had multiple two home run performances. And this is all in just year two of being in the minor leagues. So it's just it tells you a lot about Ivan Melendez, who this guy really is, and what he really brings to the table. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm excited about that. Um, so folks, let's just talk for a second about what what happened in the NFL this weekend. I mean, we 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 touched on it with uh, really Baltimore beating. Uh, San Francisco. The Eagles do not look good right now. Man, they almost blew it against the Giants at home. And that was against, first it was it was Tommy DeVito and then it was uh, Terod Taylor. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't feel good about the Eagles and I don't feel good about the Cowboys uh, heading into the playoffs because they're not playing particularly good football. The Cowboys just are not a good road team. The Eagles just don't look good at all right now and they're winning, but it's not pretty. The Lions are dangerous. Um, you know they're they're a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And of course, you know you look at some of these wild card teams, and you're going to be talking about teams like the Rams, teams like um, you know potentially the Cowboys, and then you also have the Bucks as the uh, NFC South favorites if they can hold off the Falcons and Saints. Um, and then there's the Seahawks. I mean, there's a lot of interesting scenarios with two weeks left in the season in the NFC in particular. Yeah, it's interesting because Tampa Bay uh, is actually playing the best right now out of those teams, like wild card fringe teams that you're mentioning, in my opinion. Uh, they're going to win the division. They're probably going to play the Cowboys in that first game. So that's not a, a game that the Cowboys are going to like. In fact, Cowboys right now are on a weird streak. They've lost seven straight games on the road against teams with a winning record, okay? That includes this past weekend against the Dolphins. And I just feel, you know what, Steve? I'm ready to say it. December 26th, I am officially out on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm out. I'm out. You can't convince me that they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. You can convince me they're going to win a playoff game, but you can't convince me they're going to go far. I, I just feel like when their offense is humming like Dak uh, you know, showed in that final drive in that game, drove the ball all the way down the field, they scored the go-ahead touchdown, their defense wasn't able to hold off uh, the Dolphins in, in that final series. So I was very disappointed with them. I'm officially out on the Cowboys. Who have they beaten? Now that we kind of have questions about Philadelphia, we just talked about all the questions with the Eagles right now. Who have they beaten that actually makes you uh, encouraged by the Cowboys this weekend? Sure, they can right a little bit of those wrongs. I'm not ready to tout uh, the Lions as uh, you know a bona fide Super Bowl contender just yet. So if they win this week, I think that's that goes into the conversation of quality wins. But I'm still disappointed up to this point of their quality of wins that they've had this season and, and you know the losses that they've had as well. They haven't had a good road win all season. Not one. Not one. The Chargers are terrible. Um, you can't call the Panthers a good road win. I mean, that's the problem right now if you're a Cowboys fan, that you just feel like this is a different team on the road than they are at home. They are. They're just different. So, 
if the whole Cowboy, if the Cowboys had home field throughout the playoffs, I'd feel pretty good about them right now. But they don't, and I don't feel as good as I would if they were, um, you know, playing at home. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, if they would, if they would host a, a wild card game, then they've got a chance. Otherwise, it, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough sledding. Yeah, and I feel even better about the Bucks than I do right now the Cowboys. That's just at this point right now, this point in the season. Now you tell me individual. Parsons is playing fantastic. He's having an, uh, an absolutely amazing season. Talk about Dak. He's playing great in these late-game situations, and it seems like he's improved in his decision-making. But I think they had a ceiling, and I think the ceiling is, is right in front of us. They're the best team among the bad groups or the mediocre to bad. He, they're the best team out of that group. But when they play anybody with quality, uh, they struggle, and that's just the Cowboys. Look, the Bucks lost 6 of 7. They've won 4 in a row since. I mean, that's just – and they're playing better football. Now, who have they beaten? They beat the Packers on the road. The Packers aren't exactly, um, you know, nah, Aaron not a quality win. No, they beat a Jaguars team that's really struggling right now. Really struggling. Might win the division still. Yeah, Crazy. What does that tell you? And then they oh. beat, uh, and then they also beat, um, you know, a Falcons team that could very well be postseason bound, but you don't feel great about them. So you're right. I mean, they're. It's not like they're beating great teams. Again, the whole NFC is just is, is just a uh, a giant toss up right now. Yeah, and I think this week will tell us a little bit more, but I, I just don't feel like we're learning a lot from these weeks. Like, one week, the Eagles have success, and then you feel better about them. Next week, the Cowboys beat the Eagles, then you feel good about Dallas. The week after that, the you feel better about the 49ers than anybody else, and then the 49ers lay an egg to the Ravens. So it feels like this constant carousel and this constant, try, you know, uh, you know, I guess for all the fans out there, trying to figure out who's actually legitimate and who's not. Yes. And we still don't know. We know we don't don't know who that is. A hundred percent. All right. One hour in the books. When we come back, Ivan Melendez in studio. Super excited about that conversation. We'll have it for you right here. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. Hour number two of the show is underway here as we continue on Sports Talk. As promised, El Pasoan, Ivan Melendez, who had a uh, crazy 2023 season in uh, professional baseball, has been able to enjoy a little downtime in El Paso, but he's been kind enough to stop in and, and join us here inside our uh, 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studios to begin our second hour. Welcome back. Good to see you, and uh, hopefully you had a great Christmas with the family. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me back. It's good to be back. Good to see everybody. Tell me what the uh, Melendez home was like uh, for, for Christmas uh, here just a few days ago. What, what did you do? Um, we ate a lot of tamales. Uh, we unwrapped presents at midnight, you know, because we got that Mexican uh, household. That's right. So we did that on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, we just spent it at my mom's house. Um, it was primarily for the nephews and nieces because I have older cousins. They have little kids. So they got all the presents. Sounds like fun. Now, yeah. as far as the tamales go, are you a yeah. red guy or a green guy? I'm more of a red guy, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, yeah. green green is spicy. They're like sneaky spicy. Yeah, no, my stomach's been hurting since I've been down here just because I was cleaning it up with my diet, but now I'm just eating all kind of salsas and tamales and stuff. It's hard to come back to El Paso and and eat right when you know yeah. you have such good food here, especially when the family starts to cook. Yeah. No, no, yeah, it's delicious. It's greasier. It's... Yes, yeah, it's what makes El Paso great, exactly. is what it does. Uh, yeah. What's your diet been like uh, over there uh, now? Because you're living in Phoenix, uh, following mm-hmm. the season. What's, uh, yeah. what's, what's the diet like for you right now? Right now? Uh, I've been meal prepping for about a month. Uh, just chicken, asparagus, potatoes, eggs in the morning with some ham and some carbs and then train. 
Does it ever get uh, like old, or do you ever get tired of the same stuff, or do you find a way to just power through all that? No, no, it gets old. Your body like get, gets used to it, and like you crave other things. But when you like when you're eating healthy, and then you go, you know, try to get something greasy or some junk food, it's gonna kill you. Like yeah, you, te- you feel terrible. It's weird. So it's your stomach. So uh, yeah. So basically, you're giving yourself a couple of uh, like a week or two of just eating enough uh, El Paso food to like do some yeah. damage, yeah. and then you're like, okay, I'm done with that. Now I'm going back, and I'll be fine the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my body's still in shock because I was I was eating clean and the first two nights I was here I was popping the what are the pink the what are they called the Pepto. Oh yeah, you do Pepto Bismol. Oh, oh it's that bad. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried? Okay, have you ever tried just uh, you know throwing some Beano in just to try to keep your stomach from getting gassy when you start eating that kind of food? No? Oh no, never. All right, never, never. That, that that's that's my trick. I'll I'll do that sometimes and it'll work out good. But the fact you're popping Pepto, that's not that's. It's never a good sign, Ivan. Never yeah, yeah, a good sign. Yeah, that's how bad it is. All right. Uh, by the way, if there's one food, yeah. and, and let's just say that it didn't, like, it didn't do any damage to your body, you could eat it, and you could never get tired of eating it. So like you would eat it every day, and you, would, you could eat it the rest of your life and never get tired. What would it be? Like Any food. Any, any food? food. So what's the one food you can eat and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to never get tired of this? Probably like some good spaghetti. Spaghetti, huh? Some good spaghetti with some greasy garlic bread. There you go. That sounds yeah. that sounds good. Probably that one. See, I was thinking it was going to be pizza, but nah. you, went, you went the spaghetti route. Yeah. Same right. genre, I guess, but... I like that. Yeah. Spaghetti with greasy garlic bread sounds delicious, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry right that's now. That's what I had before I came this. here, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Um, let's talk about uh, the season was like, because yeah. when you had that breakout season at Texas, mm-hmm. and you ended up winning every award, mm-hmm. uh, you actually... Had a, and then you you played pro ball after that. It seemed like yeah. it was just a very long season. Yeah. Last year, yeah. you start off in A ball, mm-hmm. you destroy in Hillsboro, you go to Amarillo, you keep hitting home runs at a crazy rate, and then well, that was this year. That, that's what this year, right? Oh, okay. Then, okay. I thought you meant yeah. last year. No, that was last year was the draft year. Yeah. This year was Hillsboro, Amarillo, mm-hmm. and then you finish it in the Arizona Fall League. Yeah. Like, you didn't get a break either this year. No, it was a long year. And then you had spring training on top of that, instructs in January. Yes. So it was, what, 10 and a half, 11 months of baseball? Did you ever wear out? Did it get to a point that by the Arizona Fall League where you finally starting to wear down a little bit and just say, man, it's just been, it's been a crazy season? Like I could feel it? Yeah. yeah. Probably, probably like two weeks before the Fall League ended, which ended, what, November 11th? So yeah. like the last week of October, first week of November, it's just like, all right, my thighs are just flabbergasted. I was can't run say. fast. I can't swing hard. Yeah, you're nothing. done. I mean, it's a you're, long, yeah, you're it's a long season. Yeah, the body's doing it every day, six days a week, swinging the bat, running. So, how long do you take to kind of get away from the sport? To once it's all over, so you can kind of mentally reset. I'm sure that's really important going year to year. And I mean, this is just year two of an off season right here. But how important is that for you to kind of just take that break? Uh, it's probably more important than actually training because, like, you could overtrain playing a sport. You know, your body's moving all kinds of different movements, and you you have to, like, recover. So I didn't really pick up a bat till like, month and, like uh, two weeks ago maybe. So just it took, like, five weeks off. I didn't even touch a bat, ball, glove, nothing. And then I started playing catch and hitting again, and it was just, like, riding a bike. So I'm like, all right, like, I could have took another week. Was it nice to have the five weeks off to where you finally just took a break and said, okay, I, I just have to decompress? Yeah, I would say like the first two, three weeks was great just because my body was still in like, you know, fatigue mode from the season and everything. But once you like go a month, you start, you know, 
you kind of not miss it, but like you feel crazy in the head because that's what you do every day, and you're not doing it for you know a long period. So. Ivan Melendez here with us in our studios. If you have questions, 505-6009. You can also get into the show on uh, Twitter, X, and anything you want to send our way. We'd love to hear from you uh, on the program. By the way, we were talking about this before you got here. Uh, Hillsborough should build a statue of you based on the kind of season you had. You tell me. I mean, did it almost feel like being back at the University of Texas, the way you were handling pitchers and just every single you know pitch that was being thrown to you, you were practically parking them out at, at a historic rate at the time. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say like the level I had at Texas because it just felt like I was a cheat code that year. I felt like everything was just working. But in Hillsboro, I started actually like very slow. Like So I had to get out of that. Like It was slow where I was just like in a hole. Like I don't even think I had a bad average for like the first two or three weeks. No, you were, everyone, bat- you were batting less than 100. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for sure. And, and for sure. I was like, I was struggling bad. And I was worried about you because yeah. I, I just know that when you're not hitting the ball and yeah. it and mentally what it can do to you, it's you start to think, yeah, you start to say, how will this affect you as a professional ball player? What was the turning point when you when it was like a switch mm-hmm. and it turned on and from there you were just on a uh, torrid pace? Yeah, I would say I got hit in the face, actually, when I was hitting below 100. So I got hit in the face. I'm out two weeks with a concussion. And I was just had a, like, a lot of time thinking. You know, I was just down bad, struggling, start my pro career after being, you know, amazing in college. Yeah. high traffic. Everyone always talking about you to struggling. And then I got hit in the face. And, like, that just had, like, a lot of downtime for me to just think. And the moment I came back, I think I still had two games where – I wasn't hitting, and then after that, I, I just turned it around and I just kept going and into Amarillo, which is a good thing. Is that what baseball's like, that once you really start to get in that groove and you feel like you know, you're hitting the ball well, you almost have that mentality where no matter what they're throwing at you, you feel like you can pretty much hit everything? Um, no, nah, to be honest. It's just hitting so hard. Like, you really have to work at it. Just, yeah, like, you got to go into that, like, that day that you're playing and really have a plan and try to focus on it and get to work like the hits don't come because it's pro baseball guys are throwing 98 the pitchers are working at what they do so you gotta work at what you do what was the biggest adjustment you made when you talk about being able to really you know correct yourself and be ready for pro pitching what would you say that biggest adjustment was um probably just the velocity every day every every pitcher out of the bullpen was like 95 and then once you get to double A, it just it goes up a little bit more. Everyone's coming out 98. So I think, you know, just being ready for that velo. Because in college, like, I was seeing a bunch of off-speed, you know, 2-0 sliders, 3-1 sliders. Like, it kind of made it predictable where I could, like, sit on it and, and not miss it. You know what I mean? And in pro ball, they're, they're coming out with the velo. They're throwing in. They're throwing fastballs up. You know, just getting ready for that. Let's get back to getting hit in the face. Um <laughs> This actually happened where you were batting and somebody drilled you in the head with a fastball? Yeah, right in the eye, 96. Oh, my God. In the yeah. eye? Yeah, right in the eye. Have you ever been hit before in the face batting, or was that the first Not time? Not batting. I mean, I've taken balls off the face like fielding a grounder, you know, bat hop or scoop at first, but not coming 96, you know, in the box. And the fact is, is that that ball is coming so fast, you have a split second to react. And the truth is, you probably can't, I mean, as you look back at it, is there any way you could have gotten out of the way where the ball would not have hit you in the eye? 
Uh, sometimes I actually like think about that all the time. Like, what could I've done differently and to prevent that? But I was, what I should have done was just turn my head towards the catcher and hopefully just hit the back of my head. But I tried like going backwards to like try to dodge it, like if it was a dodgeball, and the ball and kind of tailed, too seemed right into my. Eye. So it was basically that. tailing away as you were moving back. The ball was tailing away as well, yeah, and it just got you before you could even even get out of the way and react. Yeah, no, yeah. like if it's going up there, you just you can't. Yeah, Man. it's coming so fast. If it's coming at you, it's coming at you. I think that the fact that you were able to rebound after an incident like that yeah. is even more impressive because yeah. I know ball players that will not be able to get comfortable in the batter's box after something like that because nah. they're almost afraid of, of having it come at them again. So yeah. the fact you're able to kind of take two weeks off and then get on that torrid pace after getting hit by uh, that pitch in the face, that yeah. to me is even more impressive of that season of yours. No, yeah, no doubt. Man. That's tough, Adrian. I couldn't even think about that. I've played baseball for years, and I've been hit, but I've never been hit, and thank God, in the face. And I couldn't even imagine about, you know, how to try to come back like that. Yeah, Yeah. Ivan, it's really interesting because not only were you kind of in this position with, uh, you know, that the hit that came your way, but you needed to kind of turn things around early into the season in your own performance. But you look at some of the performances you had with Hillsborough. It it was really impressive. Like the series you had against Everett. I don't know if you recall that one, but that's in June. And I think that was when you were on an absolute tear. You had a, a four-hit performance in one of those games, and uh, you had a couple homers in that in that series as well. Did, was there a series in particular where you just felt better than normal? Yeah, probably that one that you said. Um, being in Spokane, up there in Washington, in that series, one against Everett. Um, I think I had one week against Wichita and when I was in Amarillo, double A. You know, I felt like I was on lock. You know, you could throw whatever. I felt like I was going to hit it. But there's also times where I feel like I've never played baseball before and <laughs> just well, trying to buy a hit. You had 18 home runs in 58 games in uh, Hillsborough. You had 12 home runs in 38 games in yeah. Amarillo. So you mm-hmm. finished the season with 30 home runs and 76 RBIs yeah. and a batting average, uh, a cum batting average of probably about 273. So, and considering the early season slump you're in, mm-hmm. it was a really impressive rebound. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I, I know for you, you're probably extremely happy with the performance and the way things went. If there was one aspect of your season thus far mm-hmm. that you want to really try and improve on in 2024, yeah. would it be cutting down on the strikeouts? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. And, and I mean, you say that, and I agree with you, but mm-hmm. w- when you cut down on strikeouts, then is it taking more walks? And I'm surprised that teams pitch to you so much during your um, home run barrage. I figured you would have been getting walked a lot more because yeah. most teams would have just rather put you on first base yeah. than try to risk uh, a ball being parked uh, 400 feet over the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, I was just probably being like a little too aggressive at times. Just trying to get out of there, you know. I mean, so the only way to get out of there is to hit and perform. So I, was, I wanted to swing the bat, uh, you know. Well, you're doing that. No, yeah, but now I've I've done something, so now I can relax a little bit. Not, you know, obviously never. You can never relax, but just play the game. You know, when you're down there, you're just trying to get out of there. When you're in A ball, you're trying to get high. When you're high, you double A, stuff like that. Right. And now you feel and, almost as after you've had the kind of season you had starting in high A, going to double A, and yeah. succeeding at both levels. Now you realize it's triple A 
and the big leagues, and mm-hmm. for you just a, a chance to continue to refine your game at the plate and on the field. Yeah, yeah. It's basically right. it. Yeah, that's, we're almost there. That's so. you are you are almost there. We're almost it's, there. Yeah, it could it could actually be happening in 2024, which is pretty exciting when you start to think about it. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to come back more with Ivan as we continue. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Our telephone number. Sports talk continues right here. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Back here with Ivan Melendez from the Arizona Diamondbacks organization as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. That is our telephone number, 505-6009 and 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, Ivan, uh, you finished the year uh, with the Amarillo Sod Poodles. It's the AA affiliate uh, of uh, the Diamondbacks. And like you mentioned earlier, you played uh, some third base. You played some first base in the Winter League. I know you also, Arizona Fall League, you you played some third as well. Um, mm-hmm. You told us that that was a position that, you know, you, you wanted to be given an opportunity. And the Diamondbacks told you when they drafted you that yeah. they were not going to just put you as a, as a first baseman or a DH. They would let you play third. Mm-hmm. Have you been pretty pleased with yourself on uh, you know, fielding at third since you've had a chance to play some pro ball? Yeah, yeah, This year, um, throughout the whole year, I think I made like nine or ten errors at third. You know, in 100 games, it's, it's pretty decent. And in pro ball, guys are hitting the ball really hard, you know, they putting are. up high high exit velocities, uh, you know, the bunts, the swinging bunts. The, yeah, so I would say I, I played well. Um, there were times where I made a few errors and, and asked, like, for some help, you know, with the defensive coordination and stuff. And we looked at the film and all that, and they're like, I think you're just in your head. Like, it doesn't doesn't look bad, you know. When it's bad, they'll usually tell you. you yeah. Know, whether either side of the ball, they'll, they'll let you know. They'll bring you in. What do you, you What are you more – I mean, if you had to pick one and say, say, are you more comfortable at first or at third, or would you say you're pretty much equal uh, equal at both spots? Um, I'd say I'm good at third, but I'm – I mean, I'm pretty pretty good at first as, as well. I'm more comfortable at first, more natural, um, take away a lot of errors, you know, scoops and – you know, some, some diving balls in the four hole down the line. You know, I'm I'm good at that. Um, reading like guys swing, see if they're late and you know, stuff like that. How about third. how about just overall just you know, your your impressions of, of professional baseball and you know, we talked about that earlier, but what you've had a chance to see, is it what you expected? I mean, you had a first taste when you come, you were coming out of uh, Texas and you, you had a chance to, to debut uh, after getting picked, but now mm-hmm. that you've had a chance to spend a, a full season in, in minor league ball, yeah. is it is pro ball pretty much what you thought it would be? Um, no, not really. No, tell, me, no. tell me why. Um, it's a lot more laid back, but at the same time, like it's a, the game's just a million times harder. And I've seen guys like come and go, get released, traded. You know, I feel like... I don't even know half the guys I've played with. It's either they're on a different org, don't play anymore, you know, in the big leagues. Um, so like that aspect, but it's just it's just a business, you know. You yeah. gotta perform to get to get a uh, you know to the to the next level or higher to the big leagues. Um, they're gonna give guys that that got paid, you know, opportunities whether they're on a you know mega contract or high draft pick. You know, those guys are gonna get most of the opportunity because they have to pan out. They gotta front office and the team wants to be right you know about choosing those guys sure there's an investment know. involved exactly investment yeah so yeah in that aspect it's a, it's a little different than college and did you have any um anybody that was kind of like a mentor to you uh, this past year that some maybe some older players you had a chance to really get to know a little bit and 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 help you out or are you just on your own and trying to figure things out yourself um you're on your own as far as you know performing because whatever works for you like you got to do it like if you don't want to take BP that day because you're hitting and that's not what you do, then no one's going to argue with you. Yeah. But um, as far as, like, mentoring, I would say um, 
couple of the guys in Amarillo, probably Lawler. I really look up uh, look up to Lawler. He debuted this year. Yep. Caleb Roberts, Vukovic, and Double A guys that have been there and they're younger. You know, twenty, twenty one, twenty three, stuff like that. So I try to be around them just because you know they're on the right path. And obviously, you want to surround yourself around guys that are where you want to be or in the same same goal or same mission or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. This might sound like a simple question, but I'm sure it has a deeper meaning. What's it like playing for an organization that made it all the way to the World Series? Um, it feels good just knowing that, like your organization, what what they're doing, what they're how they're running things is on the right path, the the right moves. Um, it's fun. It's fun winning when you're part of winning teams, winning cultures, traditions. It's not fun when you're losing. Yeah. You know? And let's be honest. Nobody saw this coming. I mean, at the beginning of the season, if you had to ask anybody who, who follows yeah. baseball that the Arizona Diamondbacks would be playing in the World Series, most would have said yeah. they wouldn't even make the playoffs. And the fact that they had the kind of run they had and went all the way through, it was one of the great stories of the 2023 baseball season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we started hot leading the division, and then halfway through we, we got on like a little losing streak and – Got in the hunt, third place, whatever. But, I mean, I feel like the way we started was kind of a glimpse of, like, what they could do with Corbin and the young talent and the guys, you know, third and first. They were swinging it. Catcher, Gabriel, he could swing it really young. But, you know, it's cool to see just everybody that's up there. And, you know, we're kind of a young team. You are a young team. Is it weird for you? Because here you are, you're 23 years old, and yet – there's guys uh, on this on this big league team that are younger than you because they yeah. broke in at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're you know high school draft picks like Lawler drafted out of high school, Corbin drafted out of high school, Alec drafted out of high school. So mm-hmm. obviously they've been in the system since what 2018, 2019. I was still high school, barely going to JUCO. Wasn't even you know it's crazy near to think that. about that. Yeah, yeah. But there's no time t- there's no timetable for success. You know you gotta you gotta ride your own wave. Just because you're older than someone doesn't mean you can't make it or whatever. So when your minor league season ended, before the fall league started, mm-hmm. how much time did you get to, to be around the big league club and maybe get a chance to experience what some of that postseason run was like? Um, I, I, I wasn't around them because I had gotten hurt. So I, as I was back in Arizona getting some treatment on my, my foot. And then I was playing like a couple of days after that. Once I was good to go, I was playing in – they had instructs for the guys that just got drafted, so they threw me in those games because I knew I was going to go to the fall league. So they had me getting at bats, playing in that. So I was just as busy as you know everybody else in the organization. Mm-hmm. So, but you got to go one World Series game. Mm-hmm. Was that the first World Series game you've ever attended, or have you been to one before? No, first one. First what was one. it? What was it like for you seeing it uh, from a different perspective as as a yeah. member of the Diamondbacks? Uh, feels good just seeing like the atmosphere. Everyone just super excited. The, sit, the the buzz the buzz around the city, um, everyone's happy just because they're in the World Series. The coaches and stuff like you know getting getting everybody tickets and just the excitement around it. It's awesome. You talked a little bit about the velo differences between Hillsboro and Amarillo, just at the different levels. What about the off the field stuff? What's the differences between High A and Double A? Off the field, yeah, what like maybe mean? traveling, like, uh, your living situation, what you see on a day to day basis, stuff like that. Um, traveling, uh, once you get to double A, you don't have duties like, you know, when you're on the road and in high or a ball, you guys are, um, like everyone, some guys got to get the buckets and some guys got to get the bats and stuff like that. But once you get to double A, they, you know, they pack the bus or whatever, however you guys are traveling, the clubbies are doing it. So 
That's, nice. That's so you're not having right. to carry your own stuff is what you're basically saying or stuff for the team. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't have duties and stuff like, you know, I mean, you get to chill out a little bit more outside of playing the game. Must be nice. Yeah. You can actually have a little bit of a life. Yeah, you yeah. Bus they treat more, you a little bit better. Do you bust more in high A than you do in double A? Um, yeah, but in high A, the teams, there's like, what, six or eight teams, so you're going to the same places over and over. So mm-hmm. in double A, you're still busting, but you're going to different places all the time, which is pretty neat. Yeah, plus the, the, the cities you went to in high A, those are places you probably have never been to before in your life, yeah. and more than likely places you, you would not expect to ever go back to, because yeah. it's just a part of the country that we don't see a lot around here, right? No, no, yeah, absolutely, but I would say some of my best trips were actually in, in high A, like going to Vancouver and Eugene, like the places were pretty. Oh yeah, Vancouver you know, was gorgeous. Nightlife was good, Right, seeing other people. That's good. Yeah. So that's another thing. You get done with the game. It's mm-hmm. 10, 1030. Yeah. And then you got to be back at the ballpark. What time the next day? Uh, probably like we start doing things around three. Okay. We got a 630 game. So you have to start doing things at three. So you actually have a chance to have a life. You could actually go out after a game, spend a few hours out, get a decent night's rest, and then be ready to go to the ballpark the next day. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. But you could also get caught with traveling and different stuff. But I mean, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I've been used to like college ball, you know, school, baseball, but we don't have the school part anymore, so it feels like you have so much more time. That's true. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to finish our conversation with Ivan Melendez here in a moment. 31 past the hour. Sports Talk continues first. Adrian has this Sports Center update for us. Ivan Melendez. I want to go right now to the third member of our broadcast team, Alberto, who also uh, a former teammate uh, of Ivan at Coronado. I think you've got a question, Alberto. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah, Ivan, you know, we've talked about uh, what happens when you start cold or you go cold, but, you know, let's yeah. talk about the other side of the coin when you get hot. You know, from May 5th to May 25th, you want to go You go on a 17-game hit streak, a uh, four-game streak with the home runs uh-huh. and uh, four two-hit games. Like, So talk about that. Like, How does that happen? W- what's your mentality during that, that time? Uh, just trying to stay locked in. Uh, I'm trying to stay focused. Just knowing how this game works, it's a game of failure. So when you're riding the, you're riding the high wave, you want to just embrace it because – it's 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 hard getting hits. It's you know it's like such a blessing when you're when you're in a streak like that. You know I've been in streaks like that, but I've also been in streaks of not doing much, just pure failure and struggle. But um, yeah, I would just say like I was just like really sticking to my routine, whether it was you know stuff I was doing off the field, uh, whether it was like getting McDonald's. I was on McDonald's for like two weeks straight. Just Are you really? During that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ordering the same thing. Like if I didn't order that thing, like I was freaking out. Like, oh, so you're, you're a superstitious guy. Um, I can be, yeah. but when it's just when it goes bad, I'm just all right. Like, how worse can this thing get? Like, right. But when you're on a streak, a good streak, you want to do the same do exact it. thing. Exact same thing. What's the uh, what was the McDonald's go to order when you're on the streak? Um, uh, I was getting two spicy McCrispies, ten piece McNuggets, and uh, caramel frappe or what is it? The ice. Yeah, yeah. The one with the whipped cream. No fries. I was on that every All day, right. no fries. So you were doing two sandwiches and nuggets. Yeah, two McCrispies. Lot, uh, McCrispies. Spicy McCrispies. Spicy McCrispies. Yeah. Is, this, um, is a spicy McCrispie a, uh, <laughs> is that, is that a winner of a sandwich? Yeah, it's fire. Is it as good as the uh, Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich? It's better. Really? It's got, it's got hits. It, it does, yeah, that's true. That's true. Any, <laughs> so it's way any, better. Any sandwich that can produce hits is a big time sandwich. The best sandwich. Did they did they start to know you over there? They're like, okay, we let's get him. Let's get him taken care of with the regular. Yeah, when I was in Spokane, I hit like four or five homers that week. But every morning I was there, they they just recognized me and they're like, he's back. 
Oh my god, that's hilarious! But the day that the the four hit game, I actually hit for the cycle against yeah. every. I don't know if it was in that timeline, but I hit for the cycle, and I had a teammate who was a. Uh, he started off really hot. We were like complete opposites. He started the first month in like 340 with a couple homers, and then he went cold for a little bit, like down to like 200. And I hit for the cycle, and two two hours after the game goes by, he FaceTimes me. I'm just laying in bed, and I was like, all right, I answer it. And he's in the drive-thru of McDonald's, and it's just a, he flips his phone. It's just a menu of the McDonald's, you know. That's awesome. He wanted your order. He <laughs> yeah, wanted to like, know exactly what you're ordering. Yeah, he's like, what do I get? <laughs> and I was greatest. like, raise up the volume. I'll order for you. That's so funny. And it worked. It worked. He went like three, four. Really? With, yeah, with a couple that, doubles in RBS. Man, there's something there's something special about streaks. Isn't there? You've got <laughs> yeah. to do it the right way. I love you gotta that. you got to do it. The game will know who you're trying to do the most. That's exactly. You know? I so. can't believe McDonald's hasn't sponsored you yet. That'll be coming soon. Don't worry. Oh, for sure. I love that. Hey, Ivan, I also <laughs> want to mention uh, Daryl Hernaiz. He joined us pa- this past summer. He had so many great things to say about you. You said you yeah. guys speak pretty often. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your relationship off the field because this is a guy who's been through a lot early on in his career. He's yeah. had success in his career and he just went through a trade which is so interesting at mm-hmm. this level yeah yeah no yeah um pretty good friends with daryl you know if he's uh i think when he came down after his triple a season he uh spent the night at my place just because that was such a long drive from nevada so stopped at my place and you know we ate but when 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 we're both in town we'll try to meet up and hit you know whether it's on the east side or the west side we'll we'll alternate you know we'll hit take grounders but yeah, um, whenever I'm you know down bad or struggling, I'll just shoot him a text like, "What you got for me?" Just because he'd been at that level, he's been in pro ball for some some time now. Yep. High school guy, you know, had to deal with this at a young age, so just yeah, yeah, we're really good friends. He talked about the excitement about one day playing against you in the in the majors. How cool would that be? Oh, it would be sweet. It'd be sweet. Yeah, I would probably have to do a little. What do they call it? Jersey swap? Jersey swap. Yeah, That's we'll right. have to do one of those. That'll be the time to do it. That would be yeah. good. He's got a really good opportunity in Oakland right now. That was actually yeah. a good trade for for him because yeah. the road is kind of clear to play shortstop in the big leagues, and he could have a yeah. chance to break in this year. Yeah, that was probably that trade was probably the best thing that's, that happened to him. If you look at who they got over there in the Orioles org with you know Holiday and Ortiz mm-hmm. and uh, Gunnar Henderson and a bunch of young guys playing the infield and. He's just as good, but obviously they're going to give him the prior- give those guys a priority because they're drafted higher. Yeah. You know, you know how it works. I do. But I it was you. it was the best thing for him, in my opinion. Hey, uh, Alberto, how many years did you play with Ivan at Coronado? Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of playing, but he was he's a year younger than me, so three. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you didn't, uh, but you were on the team. You didn't play as much, but did, did you have a, did you have a pretty good idea that uh, Ivan had a chance to be pretty special when you saw him? Yeah, I think like what really made me realize like or like how far this was going to go was like just this guy's work that like we would put in a full day's work of school and then we'd go to practice after and then Ivan would be asking coach to open up the locker room to 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 to, to lift weights and it's just like whoa, this guy's committed. And I think from that point on I was like, yeah, something's going to come here. So you knew, you had you had a pretty good idea that uh, this had a chance to be pretty special. I mean, I wouldn't say I knew, I would just say like you know, he was right about the work ethic. I yeah. was just kind of, like, paranoid about getting my work in. Like, I never wanted a day to go by, you know, because you don't get that day back. So I just wanted to, to maximize, you know, just getting better at what I was doing. How old were you when you started lifting weights? Like, 14. Okay. 14. And then, I mean, as far as, like, results, when did you start to see things change as far as hitting a baseball and yeah. a lot of that payoff? As far as, like, me, like, okay, like, I feel strong. Yeah. Like, I can see I'm stronger than a lot of other mm-hmm. guys and stuff, like, so they probably kicked in like 
17, 18. Okay. So yeah. right around your senior year and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Makes 17. sense. And you're turning, you're turning 24 uh, here next month. So about yeah, a month yeah. from 23, now. 23, yeah. My last month of 23. You so. excited about that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like after 21, it's just not really exciting. It's just another Yeah, it's true. There's not, all I mean, you're just going to get another year older. That's, that's about it. it. Yeah, more wisdom. That's right. I, I have a lot of that to give you. That's, that's exactly. exactly. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, where do you think you're going to be uh, starting the year? If everything goes well yeah. and you have a really good spring, do you see yourself back in AA or could you see yourself breaking uh, camp in AAA with Reno? Um, I, at this point, I don't, I don't even know. I feel like I have a feeling I'll probably start in AA, but the AAA coach has been monitoring me and calling me this offseason to see what I've been doing. But that doesn't mean anything. It's I feel like it's already predetermined. You know, there's a, there's a, a room full of guys in suit and ties that already made that decision. Yeah. So I guess we're going to have to see because they let you know, like, right when you get to spring training, no well, matter how it goes, like, oh, you really? can perform. You can hit 50 homers in spring training. You're, you're probably going to go where, where they told you you're going to go realistically. Yeah. So. That's I, I that's I guess that's tough. Maybe it's better because the yeah. worst thing would be having to go through a month and not know where you're going to be. That would make that would make you crazy. So yeah. maybe it's better to put your mind at ease and say, okay, if I'm going to start uh, here, I'm not going to put as much pressure on myself as if I don't know. No, yeah, exactly. Like I'm going in thinking I'm going to start in Double A. So if they do tell me that, I'm yeah. not going to be disappointed. But if I if they say I'm going to Triple A or wherever, then. I'll probably be more excited, you know, that way. Yeah, I'd be excited. So that's too, how I'm kind of going in, thinking that way. But yeah, anything could happen, really. You just you just don't know until you get there. Yeah, um, exactly. Do they have you on a pretty strict regimen right now? The uh, the Diamondbacks, or they do they leave you alone? No, nah, they leave you alone. Like if you're getting your 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 work done, um, but like if if you're a guy that they think like that's not going to get their work done in the off season, or that they need to check up on, then then they'll do that. They'll get on you, yeah. but. No, they know I work harder, if not harder, than a lot of the people. So, what's the biggest concern most organizations have with their with their prospects gaining weight during the off season? Is that the big one? Um, I mean, it could be. Like, I know some orgs like they'll send a coordinator down to wherever you're living to to go work out with you, make sure you're yeah. getting things done. They'll stay with you for like a week or two, and then go back to wherever they got to go. Diamondbacks aren't like that. No, that's good. No, 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 not from the last off season to this off season. No, I haven't seen. Like they that. haven't been on me, but they will tell you like if if you do look a little out of shape or you look like you're not cutting it, they'll they'll bring you in and tell you they'll shoot it straight. Last question I have for you: um, Any uh, females in your life? Have you uh, been able to uh, maybe use the first year of professional baseball and uh, find a, a potential love interest, or are you yeah. still uh, on the market right now? What's the uh, what's the latest there? Um, I mean, I did this year for you know six months but right now it's it's pretty open yeah yeah just transfer focusing on baseball transfer portal adrian is that what you're saying yeah (laughs) transfer portal yeah all right that's that's, he's waiting for an nil from somebody and see what what can (laughs) can happen the transfer portal i wouldn't (laughs) say that it's just that makes me look like i don't know uh it's not listen it's not an easy life let's be honest no no a professional professional baseball player is a tough tough life if you had to give any advice Mm -hmm. to somebody right now that you know is is a teenager wanting to break into you know hopefully having a a great standout career and and play pro ball after that what would you tell them um the biggest thing i could tell them is probably focus on yourself focus on what your goals are focus on what you're doing whether it's baseball focus on being the best in the box and everything else will fall into place. Like we said, the the women, the market and that, 
to the cars, the money, scholarships, et cetera, everything will fall into place. But you have to like just be solely like determined and focus on one thing and just being the best at it. And if you're not the best, then you'll be still pretty damn good at it. So that's it. Ivan, I've loved seeing all the praise and love you get from people in El Paso. It seems like your family, every time I see your dad in the Coronado press box, he's always talking about you and good things and stuff like that, bringing a lot of pride to the family. But beyond that, it seems like even people outside of El Paso, including uh, guys like Aaron Jones, giving you a lot of praise throughout your young career so far. What's that like? Oh, it's it's good just to, just to see like a whole city, you know, that you were born and raised in to, to back you up and support you and also guys that are high up there, you know, like Aaron Jones, you know, doing it. They've been doing it for some time now. Um, recognize you and give you some praise. Uh, it's it's definitely a blessing just because you work so hard to, to get to where you are. You know, all you want to do is succeed. And when you see um, those things fall into place, it's uh, it's a pretty good feeling. But you can't you can't let any of that get to your head. Just because things could change very fast, no matter how high up you are. So you have some younger siblings that are still playing ball, aren't they? Yeah, two young uh, brothers. Could we get a scouting report on the two of them? Are they, they going to have a chance to have some pretty special careers when it's all said and done? Yeah, Zach's—he's uh, a junior at a NAIA school in Kansas. Uh, you know, he's doing pretty good. Uh, Ian's at Conifield. He's a junior this year, just turned seventeen, and yeah, he plays infield. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, like we all get after it. We all have fun playing, and we're all doing it, which you know, ultimately, what matters. Maybe the fun part is they see you and they see what what's happening to you. And it, yeah. if there's ever motivation for them to try to pursue their dreams, yeah, it's trying to follow in the Big Brother's footsteps. Yeah, I would say a little bit of motivation, but at the same time, they see like what I go through and mm-hmm. what I got to do to to be where I'm at. They kind of don't want to play at the same time. It's it's either hit or miss. Well, you got you have to be some 100% dedicated and realize yeah. that you have to put all this in and even if you put all that work in, it's there's no guarantee out. it's going to that that it's going to possibly, you know, turn into something. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, you hit it you hit it home right there. All right. Last thing, and that is this, 2024, mm-hmm. uh give me your if you had, you know, your your top wish for the upcoming new year, what would it be? You have one wish. What uh, is it? Debut this year. All right. Debut. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I hope that you, you do get a chance to debut. We'll be mm-hmm. watching. We'll be excited for you, and uh, we'll look forward to the next time we get to have you back on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, you Thanks got it. Having me. He's Ivan Melendez, folks, and he joins us here on Sports Talk. 46 Pass will wrap up our number two right after this. The interview said he'll come back every year as long as we'll have him. I'm like, oh, don't worry about that. You could pop in every single time into our studios. Excited about that. And um, We've had a couple of uh, visitors here today, uh, Joel and uh, Jax, uh, longtime friends and uh, former uh, ball player teammates, and now they're just best friends. Uh, they want to get on the show and talk. So, Adrian, uh, part of our 6 o'clock hour, we'll be having these two uh, give us their thoughts on the interview and, yes. and some of the other things that are going on right now in sports. Let's do it. That sounds great to me, Steve. Best takeaway from uh, Ivan Melendez. I mean, the the fact that he's just uh, hasn't changed whatsoever. Yeah. He's He's been the same guy since day one. That's what I love about and like he he literally joined us as a uh, somebody who went to Texas as a prospect, and we talked about how cool that was initially. Right. I think that was the first time we brought him on, and then we checked in every year at Texas while he was starting to break onto the scene. And then once the world knew about him, we were right there, and he never left us. He just, he no. wanted us to to enjoy the the ride. Um, I you know I see his family out all the time. They they talk about how great it is that the city loves him and embraces him, and I think he embraces that. So that's what I like about Ivan. Melendez. His youngest brother is going to be a ball player, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, I I think he downplayed it. Yeah, <laughs> How I good his too. younger brother is at Canyon Seal right now. Alberta, what do you think? 
Well, you know, funny enough, talking about his brother, my little brother played on on Zach's team, like uh, travel ball. Zach, uh, travel ball with Zach. And since then, since like what, uh, oh, to about eight years ago, his parents would say, "Ivan is good, Zach is good," but they would always say, "But Ian is way better, way better." <laughs> and it was just like the next, like the the the, the, the next coming of, of Lord knows what. So it was always like, "This guy's better, this guy's better." So. Yeah, I got to see Ivan, you know, in the hard work, so I, I'm excited to see uh, Ian as well. I am too. That's going to be fantastic. Man, the Melendez family, ball players. That's all you can say. When we come back, final 30 minutes with you, and uh, yes, uh, Joel and Jax will join us as well as Sports Talk continues. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Start of our final hour here on Sports Talk. Welcome back. <clears throat> We've got about 30 minutes left with you. As we take you up till 6.30, Along with Adrian Broadus and Alberto, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Uh, thanks uh, again to uh, Ivan Melendez for dropping by our 600 ESPN El Paso uh, River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Um, however, Adrian, I have already heard from um, my nephews. They're very upset that they were not uh, given the invite today. Oh. To, to see, and now I have family drama, yeah. and family drama yeah. is the worst. Yeah. And I, you know, it's one of those things where um, I, I need to, I need to make sure from now on that that three Kaplowitz boys are always in the studio at all times whenever we have somebody uh, dropping in as a guest. It has to be a given that all three are here. You realize that. Yeah, and I, I'm good with that because we've already had two of them on the show. We we probably just need one more on uh, from the show. That's from, true. F- from the crew. Benny was here last week. He was fantastic. He was. And we've been uh, praising and promoting that uh, podcast. Yes. Joel's been on countless of times here in the past. That's true. Jax Castagnone is making his uh, Sports Talk debut today. Um, and then I started thinking about this. Jackson Kaplowitz, I don't think he's ever been on no. either. And he is really big into fantasy sports and uh, collectibles. He's uh, all about the autographs, the cards, and stuff. He's got, uh, he's got, he's got the best autograph card collection in the family. He's doing really well too. So yes, they were when they found out that uh, that they were not on the invite list for Ivan. They were not happy today. Not happy at all. My apologies to them. I, hey, I really my apologies. Actually, You're not. The, it's my. It's, look, this is my fault. I'm the one that's going to have to deal with this later. <laughs> hey, uh, they got the open invite. Their last name's Kaplowitz. They got they the do. open invite. They do. They just have to be told is what they, they have to be offered right. the invitation. <laughs> Is what that is. So instead, um, we have uh, uh, Joel uh, and Jax, uh, two that have been friends uh, since they were uh, little. And uh, now the two of them are here uh, together on the show. Uh, Boys, good to see you. Jax, congratulations. You're making your Sports Talk debut. How are you? Good. That's uh, Jax is a man of many words (laughs) today. That That is good. Joel, welcome back to the show. Hello. Are you a little concerned after hearing about your cousins and, and knowing uh, that uh, you're going to have to try to explain this one to them? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty concerned because uh, Jackson is in my uh, third period and Benny's in my fifth period and they're going to chew me up when I go to their class. They're going to talk for the whole period about why they weren't invited. Okay. And I'm going to have to do such a big apology to tell them that they're going to be invited back. Yeah. Well, look, the reason we had... Uh, now, you were originally... A schedule to be with Jax all day today, and yes, and Jax is related to Ivan. So, yeah. Jax, what's the relationship between you and Ivan? How does it work? How are you related to him? Um, it's my, pretty confusing. 
Yeah, my grandpa, my grandpa's girlfriend is his grandpa, grandma. So I think that's how. Wait, your grandpa's so, girlfriend is is his grandma? Yeah, so they're not blood related, but okay. they are related. Got it. That makes sense. Yep. Listen, when your grandpa's girlfriend is real, is is you know the grandma vibe. That's that's as far as I'm concerned, Adrian. That qualifies, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's what family. it's all about. That's family. Um, you guys have a chance to have a good uh, first off, Joel. I know what you did for uh, for Christmas because I, I was with you. Uh, yes. Jax, what about you? What'd you end up doing? Um, we just went over to our family's. Well, we just went over to the house we always go on Christmas. Yeah. Then our family's invited. We all get together and eat. That's usually what you do when you go to a Christmas gathering, right? You eat. Yep. That's, but Jax, you're really uh, you're making sure that uh, everybody <laughs> understands the essentials. To, what What did you eat for Christmas? What did they serve? What was the food? What was the food? Um, I forgot. Okay, good stuff, Jax. <laughs> Jax, Jax, you're well. Off, you're you're really off to an auspicious start here on Sports Talk. Um, but why don't we at least uh, let everybody know you you play baseball too. Yep. And, and what else you play? Football. Football, basketball. I'm about to join soccer for my school. Oh, you are. Where, where do you go? Where do you go? Hey, who's hosting the show here, Joel? Um, Jax, where do you go to school? St. Mark's. Okay, and you're Middle in sixth grade. School. Yep. Excellent. And um, you're a huge football fan. Yes. You're a huge Cowboys fan. Yes. Are you concerned after the loss yesterday? To, or over the weekend, I should say it was yesterday. It was uh, on was it on Sunday to Miami? Do you feel um, worried about the Cowboys going into the playoffs? No. Why is that? Well, actually, yes, because we're not going to play at home and we suck on road games. That is that is pretty accurate. I like that, Adrian. He's speaking the truth right now. Yeah, and I think it's a realization some Cowboys fans are having right now, understanding that their team has a ceiling, and that despite beating the Eagles, maybe that was a little false hope right there. Yes, I feel the same way. I feel like right now, if the Cowboys have to play a playoff game on the road, you're toast. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Well, if it's to a good team. Most teams in the playoffs are good teams, aren't they? No, the Buccaneers suck. Oh, okay. Who else is terrible that's going to be in the playoffs? How about the Rams? They suck, too. And the um, Seahawks? They suck, too. Okay. <laughs> do you, Who do you like in the <laughs> NFC besides uh, who do you think is actually a good team? No one. No, they're all terrible. Everybody's <laughs> yep. bad. 49ers. They suck too. Oh, come on. Now you're just trying to be crazy and stupid. Come on, be honest. Okay. <laughs> what do you think the, the 49ers lost yesterday to the Ravens? Aren't they still the best team right now in the NFC? The 49ers? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Are the Ravens the best team in football? Yes. All right. Thank you. This interview is going nowhere. Right now. <laughs> Adrian, I'm, I, I was, I had high hopes. Yeah. I had high hopes hey. for Jax, and I'm just, I, I don't know if I can save him. I, okay. I just, I don't know if I can save him. Okay, I'll throw both these guys a lifeline. Okay, so uh, I want to ask from your all's perspective. We, we got the middle schoolers in the house. Who are some of the more popular guys in the NFL right now among your your classmates, like players wise? Because I get it. N- nowadays, it's hard to follow a team with all the player movement across different sports. Who are some of your favorite players right now and then most or I guess least favorite so most hated so give me a favorite and then hated players here in the NFL right now who wants to start I'll start I'll start I'll start okay okay so my favorite player right now I like I would say Aaron Jones because he's one of my favorite players but right now I am a big big fan of Tyreek Hill 
Okay. Nice. That's a great answer. Tyreek Hill. What yes. do you love about Tyreek? Uh, he's fast, and he's the best receiver he can catch. He's so fast. Yeah. Okay. And that's, then, like, it. Okay, so that's your favorite player. Yes. Who uh, Who do you like the least? Who's your least favorite player right Zach now? Wilson. Oh, oh thank you. That's because he's watched a lot of my, he's, he's <laughs> He knows. He's been around the Kaplowitz house one I've too many studying. times. I've been Yes. You, you know, and you know that he he makes uh, he makes your dad crazy. Yes, I that's good, very good. All right, Jack's your turn. My favorite is Michael Parsons because he's good. <laughs> Who do most of your friends talk about that they, that they like? Like, what football players do most of your? Are they all Mahomes fans? Are they all yes. Lamar fans? Yes, they're Mahomes fans. Okay. I don't like Mahomes. Why do you not like Mahomes? Because he is. I don't know because he's bad. I mean, he's bad. He won, he's won. He's won. He's won Super Bowls. Two of them. Three. Three. Okay. Wait. So. Oh yeah. So yeah. I just, just don't like him. But my least favorite is probably Debo Samuel. Deep. Because of he's a because he's a Forty Nine er. Yep. Okay. That's and fine. I just don't like him. Okay. Well, listen. At least. At least they have names of players that they're yeah. uh, that they like and don't like, right? Okay, how I'll ask you guys this one. All right, who has the best jersey uniform combo in the NFL right now? Style and accessories are really important in today's game. We love cleats, we love basketball shoes, we love all this kind of stuff. Who has the best uniforms right now in football? Is it the Dolphins? You, you like the the crazy colors they're throwing out there on a weekly basis? Do you like the Bengals alternate uniform, the all white look? What? Give me some of the best uniforms right now in sports in the NFL side of things at least i like the Bengals all white and with the black stripes that's one of my favorites okay and then i like the cowboys old jerseys those what's are, the way they the, the, were in thanksgiving yes those the white ones I, I, yes i like those you like the white helmets better than the uh, silver helmets yes okay what, what's your what's your least favorite jersey my least favorite yes i don't like the Broncos jersey. The home of the road. The home one? The dark one? Dark yeah, blue? Yeah, the home run. The dark the blue. Home. Yeah, okay. That's By the way, Mahomes won two Super Bowls, not three. Oh. Yeah, it's okay. We'll keep it a secret. Joel, <laughs> what about you? Your favorite jersey? Okay, so my, I don't pay attention to jerseys that much, but if I had to say my favorites. So, I like the Seahawks because I just like neon green as a color. I just think that's really cool. And... A second one. Let me think. Hold on. Yeah, I don't know on the second one. I like the Seahawks. Okay. Any any jerseys you don't like? No. There's nothing that just say that's a terrible looking jersey. Well, no, no. Okay. You play enough Madden. I figured there's jerseys you see <laughs> that you like and don't like. No, I, I think they're all cool. Okay. I cross Joel and Madden. You what? I cooked Joel and Madden. Yeah, you 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 beat him up pretty badly. <laughs> yes. With what team? What team do you play with? The Cowboys. I know you're a Cowboys fan, but isn't it boring to play with your favorite team? And don't you like to play with another team and and just try to see how good you can? Well, really the be? other team I play with is the Forty Nineers. They're good. But I thought you hate them. I do hate them. <laughs> so it's why would you want to? So why? Madden. Yeah, they're really good at Madden. But doesn't it get to a point? Okay, this is an interesting question. If you dislike a team, even if they're good in the game. Don't you not want to play them because you you just dislike them so much as a team? No. No. Really? Okay. So when it comes to video games, you want to win no matter who you play with, even if it's a team you despise most. Yes. 
Because they have Christian McCaffrey, and he's him. Okay, there's there's the answer. That's the simple as that. Okay, can you guys describe the he is him f- reference for our listeners out there? We, so we, that means that he's the best. That he's the best. He's just best. He's the guy. The best. He's just awesome. He's, he's the best guy. He's the coolest guy. I'm happy you he's asked him. that because I didn't know what he's him means. I, I was confused <laughs> when, you, when, they, when, when Jack said that. I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> None. So... All right. Um, hey, before I let you go, uh, Jax, I was asking Ivan if he has if he got a girlfriend the last year. He's playing professional baseball. What about you? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any girls? Uh, any ladies in your life right now, Jax? No. Do you want one? No. Okay. Not yet. I'm do gonna we- want one. What's that? <laughs> I'm going to want one. When do you think you're gonna want one? Eighth grade. Why eighth grade and not sixth grade? Give me the uh, give me the give me your rationale. I'm curious about this. What's the reasoning behind that? I don't know. You just feel like it, you're not. You're not. Re- it's 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 not time yet. I know it's time, but no. Okay, cause... so you're waiting until eighth, <laughs> you're you're waiting until you're in eighth grade. Yeah. Are there a bunch of girls that like you right now, and you just won't? Uh, you're you're saying no. I'm just. I'm waiting until eighth grade. Is that pretty much the message you're telling them? I don't know. Okay. Probably. Okay, Joel. What about you? Yeah. No. I no. No. Are you also like Jack? You're gonna wait till you're in eighth grade. Or I'm not gonna... gonna wait till I'm in eighth. Probably like so. If this was seventh grade, I would probably wait like another few weeks. Okay. So like a little bit after the middle of seventh grade. Middle of seventh grade is what you're giving yourself. Ish. He's smart. Yeah. He's smart. He doesn't have to buy a Christmas present for an early relationship. He can get ready for Valentine's Day. Have yep. any has has any of your friends passed you notes uh, asking if you like certain girls? No. Has that happened? You no. You know the kind of notes are saying, do you like this girl? And you have to check a box that hasn't, you haven't gotten any of those yet? <laughs> no. Okay. Really? All that right. was a delayed response there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jax, what about you? Have you had any of those notes that they passed to you about the girls? No. Asking if you like them? No. All right. That's fine. All right. I'm done pressing the two of you on girlfriends. That's good. <laughs> um, all right. You both did great. I'm going to come back. I'm going to wrap up the show. Anything you want to say before we end this uh, this terrific uh, radio segment with uh, both uh, Jax Costignon and Joel Kaplowitz? Anything you guys have? The Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl. All right. I'll I don't know about then. that, but okay. If the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, um, let's see. What should we give Jax if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Oh, I saw this. I saw this cool thing. It was on uh, YouTube where it was this fan, and it had these lights on it. And when it would spin, it would uh, spell Cowboys, and then really? it would say like Cowboys Rock, something like that. I don't know. It was a fan, and it would spin, and there would be lights on each little, uh huh, you oh, know, and thing. Is... And then it would spin so fast that it, the lights would create this like Cowboys Rock, okay. something like that. Should we sounds get... like a drone show? Yeah, 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 kind of. Should we get that for Jax if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Yes. I don't cow- think okay. it's expensive, so. Good. That's, <laughs> we can uh, afford then it. I'm, then I'm happy. Then maybe our boss yes. will pay for that. That's excellent. All yes. right. Good job, guys. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, anytime you want to come back, let me know. Invitation's open for you, all right? Okay. Okay. There he is. Joel and Jax uh, joining us here on Sports Talk. We'll come back, wrap things up next. Stay with us. Bowl game right around the corner, bottom of the hour here. 600 ESPN El Paso.